Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. I'm James Blonde and welcome to the Dance Masters podcast where we dig a little deeper with the superstars of UK dance. We ask all our guests a series of questions and hope for a series of different answers to find out what's going on behind the scenes and what makes them tick. So if there's anything you want to ask on future shows, just get in touch and let us know. After a string of chart and club hits, tonight's guest was a staple on the original Dance Masters 20 years ago. It'd be rude not to be supporting them now and even more rude not to invite them back on the show. With three massive albums to date, plus four UK top 40 hits, including the global phenomenon, multi-platinum selling, multi-award winning, Brit nominated juggernaut international smash turnaround. There's so much to discuss and so much more than the first hit single. So to tell us more, we welcome to the show, Jason Fats from Fats and Small. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, Jason, lovely to have you here on Dance Masters. Uh, I know that we've rubbed shoulders on many an occasion from pop concerts to festivals and club tours and and in doing so it shows that fats and small as an outfit have managed to balance both credible and the accessible um what was the influence for the for the magic fats and small sound it was what was going on in the in the club scene in the 90s definitely a lot of credit to dj sneak really dj sneak was probably the first artist that i'd heard doing the filter disco thing so it was before Daft Punk. As soon as I heard, there was a, an EP that he did called, I think, the Moondoggy EP, where he sampled that Love is the Message track. It was the, the moment I I first heard the filter disco thing. That was the beginning of kind of moving into that sound, definitely, without a doubt. It fascinated me. And at what point did the music for Pushchairs project come along? That was done literally the same week that Turnaround was done, because Turnaround really wasn't turnaround it was uh, the initial idea and the thing we worked on i worked on with russell was a remix of change the glow of love and that week we also i think it was about four tracks you know i was on a roll i was banging out records you know sometimes two two or three tracks a day because i was working with dmc so they would phone me and say we need a a, a remix for the uh, this month's album because something hasn't come through can you deliver by the end of the day and colin Bourne, who was working at dmc would drive down from slough and and by the time he'd get down i'd hopefully have a remix waiting for him and then he'd drive back because we didn't have internet back then so yeah i was on a roll i was just making music without even really thinking just making it because we were, we were both DJing as well. And so we did music for Push Chairs. We did Love Is What I Need, which I think was the B-side to music for Push Chairs, Turnaround. And then there was another track, which was the B-side of Turnaround promo. And they were all done that week. The funny story is that when we took Turnaround into Skin at the end of the week, and all the other tracks and uh, Russell was with Tim Jeffrey in his office and I was with Andy Mack and Andy Mack said to me have you heard Armin van Helden's new track and they'd basically just got a promo through for the Cool Cuts chart and he played it to me and I was like oh no you know and then it was an amusing moment because we'd sampled exactly the same record so I believe we did have another massive hit but people think we sampled Armin van Helden but that definitely was not the case at all we hadn't even heard it at that point so and that really is super interesting because I remember hearing both at about the same time so that's uh that that's cleared that up Jason yeah yeah it really was one of those moments I mean it was one of those weeks and the name actually um comes from 
I was living, my studio was in my living room um, opposite Waitrose in the centre of Brighton on Western Road. And we went over to Waitrose for lunch. My daughter was young as well. So I was kind of one of these dads that would be wheeling around my daughter in a buggy. And there was an aisle that said, this aisle is for pushchairs, pushchairs and wide trolleys. That's what it said. And that was where the uh, the music for pushchairs, um, we were going to say music for pushchairs and wide trolleys, but <laughs> it didn't quite have the same ring to it. And that's where the name comes from. So we've got Waitrose to thank for music for pushchairs. Absolutely. One. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Excellent. Well, if, if, if nothing else, they'll hopefully get in touch and send us a nice big box of chocolates or a case of champagne and I'll forward it down to Brighton for you. Absolutely. As well as producing your own tracks, you're also remixed for a number of other artists, uh, most noticeably and commercially successful, Earth, Wind & Fire, September. I mean, it was massive. It still is massive. Is is the one remix that you are most proud of? Yeah, with, without a doubt. It was, again, another the story behind that. I've sat in my studio right now. I can see the, the two-inch tape on the shelf. It's It sits there with, with pride. And we hooked up with the guys from Sony in a pub in Brighton, and they bought down the, the multi-tracks. And then I went into a, a studio, a guy named Kevin Stagg, who was one of the few people I knew who had a, a two-inch tape machine in Brighton. And the thing about that remix is it was limited. It's funny, I was listening to it yesterday. It's funny you mention it. Um, and it was limited by the resources that I had you know, technologically, the only thing that's incomplete is the vocal over the top. But it's an honour, a, a pleasure, and still to this day, um, it, it kind of gives me goosebumps. And because I just don't think I ever realised with any of these tracks, it's taken a, to sort of grow up a lot, really, to realise what they were and what I was achieving back then. Uh, I can waffle on about these things, so you have to stop me talking if I'm talking too much. No, that's fine. You know what? To be honest, I'm, I'm quite nerdy about this myself. Is the one remix that you turned down that you wish you hadn't? There is one big record, without a doubt, that I thought was a was a big, 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 big mistake, and it was the Backstreet Boys. It was just, it was, it was, it was crazy. You know, that 1999 was was very, very hectic, and yeah, they're one of the biggest bands in America at the time, and we. We, we turned it down. So, yeah, I, I regret that to this day. It, it was silly, but everything happens for a reason. Was there any one that you'd done that you wish you hadn't got involved with? And bearing in mind, we're years down the line now, so you can be as candid as you, as you please. Um, so I'd love to know. No, no, not at all. Um, I think it's kind of genius if an artist can take someone that people don't feel is credible and do something you know credible with it or do something amazing with it it's just an opportunity remixing is you know it's just an opportunity to do your thing or just to try and honor the record like with september you know people said well they didn't really do that much to it and and you know what can you do with a record like that it was it was just too much of a a legendary tune to i mean fortunately because of my years with dmc i'd worked on james brown and i'd done uh funking for jamaica and I'd done some early Mighty Dubcat stuff and Todd Terry, Jocelyn Brown. So I'd worked with all these artists. And so it was just an, another, you know, sort of mix, but it had to be honoured. No, I can't think of Can you name any that you would say? That you would say I... No, no, not at all, to be honest with you. Pretty much everything you touched almost turned to gold at that time. And it was very much the time of that, that funky house area, the 98, 99. People were looking for that. There was a lot of handbag on the go. There was a lot of kind of more pumping house. And this was just made for a commercial market and it was much more accessible. So it could be played in the cooler clubs like uh, your Money Pennies uh, or your Fuel or, or, or venues like that. At the same time, it was also being played on the commercial floors. And I think you managed 
managed to transcend and walk that very difficult knife's edge of remaining credible but commercially aware at the same time. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Just trying to do. You're just doing doing your thing. I mean, there was one remix that I did regret not um spending more time on and that was the do you really like it the dj pie piper to this day i look back at that and i again i gave the label a brief on the idea that i had behind that and still to this day when i hear the track i'm like oh man if only i'd just gone with that initial idea yeah it was a legendary track we were just too busy i think we were doing that night i remember i didn't sleep for like sort of 36 hours because we were just trying to get things finished it was yeah i was fried you know <laughs> yeah the fat and small outfit has had a few lineup changes and additions over the years with various members obviously russell on production uh, and vocalist uh, tony thompson ben uh, and ryan malloy um tell me about your new vocalist yeah there's a guy named sadiq who's originally i found him as an artist called follow ben was focusing on his his other stuff and found the guy on facebook i mean i see fats and small really as a as a sort of creative collective no one really even knew who fats or small was you know at one point people thought that fats and small were russell and ben really it's, it's a brand and people wanted us to carry on doing it and so it's really just a collective everyone who's involved is is, is is fats and small and now russell's half of the freemasons are you guys still in touch uh yeah we're still we see each other every now and then but yeah we bump into each other at the ade and things like that we sat down and we discussed me taking it over because people wanted it and i was fairly reluctant at first and then uh, and then the response has been amazing and then i kind of focused on how we were going to completely transform the live experience because i wanted it to be current um and then that kind of reached its its sort of point of okay i think i've found the 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 formula here when we did the will smith and dj jazzy jeff gig at uh, blackpool i wanted to mention the show i mean obviously you've toured the world but one of the most highest profile gigs in the uk in recent years was the jazzy jeff and will smith show and i've seen the footage of that and it looked amazing uh, how was it as a gig for you Oh, I had a teary moment when I come off stage because Will Smith comes straight over after as soon as we were walking off stage and said, guys, you absolutely smashed it. And uh, I had a, just a quick chat and a, and a photograph. I kind of got that look on my face like someone who's just met Will Smith and supported him on a in front of 33,000 people. But And again, there's a, a, another story behind that. I'd just flown back from Ibiza because it was my daughter's 21st birthday and we were out there for a couple of weeks and I'd flown back. Um, without much sleep, then gone down to the Whitcomb Cider Festival and supported Wiley down there. And then directly from that, we'd driven to Blackpool. And when we arrived in Blackpool that morning, it was the Conor McGregor fight, I remember. So everybody went to watch the fight. But I'd only that, you know, that morning found out that we weren't doing just a couple of, of our singles. We had a half hour slot. So I spent the whole entire night whilst everyone was watching boxing in my hotel room tweaking this set so that it would fit because it's got to be on the button when you're doing events like that you yeah and so i went on stage i'd never even played what we were about to play to thirty-three thousand people it was it was pretty terrifying but yeah it, and that was like i say that was the point when i realized the formula because i'd crammed what was initially a sort of hour and a half show into 30 minutes and it worked and it was really tricky to do it worked and the crowd loved it and uh, yeah and then the, 
and the phone didn't stop ringing after that it was it was great very very good you mentioned dj sneak earlier and i suppose that would lend itself to the production side of what i was about to ask next but do you have an all-time favorite dj danny tanaglia okay yeah danny tanaglia and carl cox as well danny tanaglia i've heard him play a few times and the guy just does some incredible things we have a little uh feature on the show what's in your box where we look at what musically makes our guest tick yeah is there a signature record or, or a go-to tune uh, that defines the fat and small sound. Cool. That's a tough. That's a very, very tough question. Um, and look, feel free to pick more than one. But I just thought, oof. is there something there that really makes you go, "That's me"? I, I, I really wouldn't know how to answer that, to be honest. If I had to kind of say, it would be the DJ Sneak Moon Doggy EP um, record. There's so many things that I've drawn influence from um, over the years. A lot of people say that um, turnaround and music sounds better with you. I'm certainly not going to deny that that was a, a massive, massive influence on on that record, and and uh, you know, absolute respect to to Daft Punk. Can you look back now? And it's a question I've asked all our guests, and someone like I can't remember what was the first record you ever went out and bought with your own hard-earned cash first record I ever bought that was actually a record rather than a cassette was the Specials Ghost Town. Have you got a treasured piece of vinyl or a couple of pieces of vinyl that you just would never get rid of? Again, they're really, really tough, tough questions. You know, my brain just goes, <laughs> it's my ADHD kicking in. Do you know what I mean? As soon as I get a question like that, it kind of like fires off into the realms of multiple possibilities. I did have a copy that was a cherished record of mine, which was Simple Minds, Promise You a Miracle. There was a 12-inch version of that. And it had a B-side called Theme for Great Cities. But it was the 12-inch version of it. And that was one of my most treasured records at one point. But I gave it to somebody. True love, that is, Jason. True love. And do you have a secret guilty pleasure record that no one knows about? (laughs) I was going to say Disco Duck then, but that would be a joke. Dearie me, what would I see as a guilty pleasure? I was always known when we were DJing with myself and Russell together to kind of pull out something that the guys would go, no, what are you doing? And, um, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Lionel Richie, I remember the first time I dropped that, the 12 inch of that and the guys were like, what are you doing? They hid behind the turntables. It was like a pool party in Germany. And they were like, you're not going to play it. You're not going to play it. And I was like, yeah, I am. But again, that's kind of hardly a guilty pleasure. It's a classic, classic record. That'll do. We'll take that one. (laughs) Is there anything new on your radar that you're listening to at the moment that we should be hearing? Check out the the Fats and Small Acid mix of Victor Simonelli and Stats 4 and Tony Lee's Don't Stop, Keep Rising. So much going on. I've just been on the phone today arranging another collaboration. It's a shame because it's one of those situations where I can't say anything about it. I've got another track that's coming out with another label. Again, I can't really say much about that. That's a, a big tune that I've had sort of laying around. But music that I've been listening to you know full intention Michael Gray stuff that those guys are doing they've got a great remix that's number one on track source at the moment been a long time I think that's the name of it Jason thanks for taking the time out to chew the fat let's see what I did there chew the fat oh, okay, okay. no listen seriously it's been really lovely to catch up with you and find out where you're up to that wraps up the show for this week and if you like what you've heard and you fancy adding some tunes into the mix why not check out the full two hour show with an exclusive mix from tonight's guest Joining us on the next episode is Michael Gray.
Thanks for listening to the show. Join us back here next Friday on Dance Masters. And don't forget to hit the link to subscribe. Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music.